Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This is Rays Radio. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we sit down with Rays players, coaches, and front office executives to discuss the latest news in Rays baseball. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas with his first big league hit. It's a home run against Chris Sale. Now to get you ready for opening day, here are the voices of the Rays. Welcome, everyone, to baseball season 2019. This is Countdown to Opening Day for the Tampa Bay Rays, and we're coming to you live from the Golden Diamond Sorts Performance Theater at iHeartRadio at 95.3 WDAE and AM 620 WDAE. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed, and Dave, I welcome you to baseball season. It is finally time to talk it. Sometimes we text it. Uh, sometimes we tweet it during the offseason, but now it counts. 49 days until opening day 2018. And you're counting, and uh, even uh, less than that as we get a little closer to Fan Fest, which is on Saturday at Tropicana Field, and then pitchers and catchers will report next week. Uh, the position players not too far after that, and then before you know it, we'll be broadcasting baseball. It's already set for the 22nd of this month, just a couple of weeks away. So uh, judging by the way things are going at my house in Lutz, it's yeah. time. It's time to uh, start talking baseball, broadcasting baseball, as I've told many people, I can sit around and do nothing with the best of them, but there's a reason why I'm here, and it's to uh, broadcast baseball, and I'm looking forward to it. I think, again, 90 wins last year. Uh, you talk to people that uh, are really, really excited about the prospects of the Tampa Bay Rays uh, coming into this 2019 season, and, uh, you know, I think uh, playoffs are bust, and uh, I know sometimes you get a little trepidation when uh, there are high expectations but I embrace them. I, yeah. I, I would rather have high expectations than to be going into the season where you think we're going to be a 55 or 65 win team. Well, I, I should come more to your side. I mean, you think of a year ago, right now, there was more of a slight exodus of known players. Now, I think this area is getting in love with this team right now. Blake Snell won the American League Cy Young Award, uh, which, I mean, imagine if we had said that a year ago at this time from this stage, that Blake Snell was about to win the American League Cy Young, and this team is going to win 90 games, people would have thought that that was just pie in the sky. That would be an impossibility. They did. The expectation rises. Of course, we're still in a league uh, in a division with two super teams, but 
you know, are, are there going to be a couple of 100-win teams? Hang on, I don't know. Could the Orioles get a little bit better and take off some of those wins from the top? Could the division get close? Could the Rays make postseason? A lot of people think yes. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, you look at uh, what's going on. The Dakota ratings came out today yeah. and picked the Rays for, again, what, about 85, 86 wins, which would put them as the second wild card team. And you got to get in it to win it, as we like to say. Uh, the folks in Vegas still have the Rays in that same kind of range, and uh, that would also get the Rays in as the second wild card team. But we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. You know, a year ago at this time, we still really didn't know what kind of team we were going to have either because there hadn't been – a whole lot of changes yet. We had uh, moved Evan Longoria, and a lot of people had wondered what in the world was the Rays front office thinking getting rid of their marquee player. Well, that turned out to be uh, a rather wise move by the uh, front office. And then we started uh, peeling away a few other guys, Steven Souza Jr., and then Corey Dickerson and a few other guys. And, and, you know, as I sat here a year ago, I thought for the Rays to do well, we probably need Chris Archer to have a tremendous season. Well, he did not have that tremendous season. We ultimately traded him. But it was Blake Snell who had that tremendous season. And, again, I think it's going to be hard to duplicate. But the one thing that we do know about Blake Snell, even when he was struggling, is he holds himself accountable to everything. And I think if you ask Blake Snell about his season a year ago, it was just that. It was a year ago. Now he's got some new things that he has to accomplish that he wants to work on. And uh, I'll tell you, it's been a long time since I saw a pitcher as good as he was. Yes, he may not have gotten you into the seventh, eighth, or ninth innings on numerous occasions, but that's just not the way that this team was built. But every time he took the mound outside of when he was coming back from injury in the second half of the season, he gave his team more than a chance to win the ball game. And he was super fantastic and deserved the Cy Young. And you build around him now, and Tyler Glass now took some big steps. And then we added Charlie Morton looking for forward to meeting him hopefully this weekend at uh, Rays Fan Fest and we've got the you know the, the pieces are in place now to start to uh, supplement and build upon as we look forward to doing some damage within the American League East. I know the big boys uh, have either reloaded or added on and uh, they have again the, uh, the the wherewithal and the finances to do that but don't count the Rays out. I think this is going to be a fun team and boy you know we'll talk to Kevin Cash the Rays skipper here in just a couple of moments but when it comes to filling out that one through nine uh, lineup on a daily basis, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think uh, it's going to be kind of tough to. You're going to be sitting two or three guys on a daily basis that probably could be playing on a lot of other teams on a daily basis too. And, and yet, guys that will be available to counteract perhaps some of those Super bullpens that the Rays have to face so often. You could bring in uh, a Jimon Choi off the bench or an Abisail Garcia off the bench, whichever isn't starting that day, and come up with a key hit later on. But I, I still think there's going to have to be the the big phrase was last year was buy-in and I think there's still gonna have to be some buy-in from Mm -hmm. this group with regard to the opener which obviously will still be there depending on exactly how it all plays out Uh, and and also some of those position players I think that's one of the themes going into spring training I I don't know if it's a competition for a spot here or there it's just a lot of juggling is going to be going on to get the most out of that roster and this 25-man roster may really play like 40 all year long. Well, and that's you, know, you go back to when the Rays were putting banners up out in left field, and that's something I've talked about a number of times on the broadcast. When you look at the Rays roster back in 08 and 10, we had a 25-man roster that played more like a 30-man roster because you had a Ben Zobrist who was a switch hitter who could play three or four or five different positions. You had Willie Ibar who could uh, do a number of different things and play a number of different positions. And so you had a lot of flexibility. I think we're getting back to that. There were a couple of years ago where we had a 25-man roster that played like it was 21. We were kind of uh, hamstrung on uh, a number of options. So uh, I, I think Eric Neander, who will also talk here in, in a little while, the uh, Rays Senior VP of Baseball Operations and GM, has done a wonderful job of, uh, you know, again, rebuilding this roster. You think about where this team was in 2015. What do we have, three holdovers? Matt Duffy, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Blake Snell. And 
Duffy and Snell hardly played that year, and, and Kevin was a little banged up at times. So, and you even think about, you know, I go back to this too. You look at our coaching staff. I mean, since that time, we've got one holdover. Uh, well, two outside of the skipper, Kevin right. Cash, but you've got Stan Borowski. So yeah. there's been a lot of changeover with this organization and uh, the last few years, and it's pointing in the right direction. And then as Neil was uh, warming up the crowd, and boy, what a routine deal. I mean, oh, I felt like man, it was, it. I thought we were getting ready for a comedy show here. He had these guys <laughs> rolling and they were all just all pumped up and we appreciate that, Neil. He was doing a little live pregame, but, yeah. you know, we, we walked around last year kind of feeling pretty good about 90 wins and uh, to a man, when you talk to people in the Rays Baseball Operations Department, they said, just wait. Just wait to see what's coming. And uh, I think if you're a Rays fan right now, the, uh, the, the excitement uh, should be probably as good as it's been in a long, long time. Well, all those ratings, too, about the Rays farm system is that they're still going to be coming on and on and on. As Dave mentioned, we're off Kevin Cash in just a moment. Eric Neander, Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations, General Manager of the Rays, and also Kevin Eibach, the Director of Pro Scouting for the Rays. And he can tell us about some of the new faces that the Rays have had and how he has helped to build this roster, uh, which uh, is looking rather formidable, as we are, at least by my count, I'm not good at math, 49 days to opening day. March 28th against the Houston Astros, 4 o'clock at Tropicana Field. And what's going on with baseball right now? I mean, we, we still really don't know what is happening around Major League Baseball. We're still waiting on the two big free agents, yeah. uh, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, to sign. We uh, saw what JT Real Muto probably going to the Philadelphia Phillies. It looks like that's going to be a done deal. But are we going to have universal DH? Are we going to have uh, relief pitchers now have to face three guys? I mean, I was just studying the dreaded double switch again all night long last night, and then I got the news that maybe I wouldn't have to worry about that for the uh, games we do on the National League side. Uh, so it, it, we're, I, we're still kind of in flux as to what's yeah. going to happen around Major League Baseball between now and when pitchers and catchers report and when we even start playing baseball games in just a couple of weeks. So, again, it's another offseason to kind of plot it along, and I think uh, we'll find out more from Eric Neander a little bit later on if you know the Rays might still – dip their toe in the relief market or what have you. But uh, it, it's it's amazing that here we are on, you know, the early part of February and there's still almost 100 free agents still waiting to kind of sign. It's kind of the new baseball, I guess. And the big ones you mentioned, and there's still Dallas Keuchel, there's still Craig Kimbrell, there's many that are still out there. Who knows? Maybe the Rays will be involved in that as well. Six days to pitches and catchers, 15 days to the first spring training game, 49 days to opening day, and we are counting down opening day against the Houston Astros, the 22nd year of the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Rays manager Kevin Cash. This is Countdown to Opening Day with Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed, and our live audience here as well on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network. This is the Rays Countdown to Opening Day show along with Andy Freed, I am Dave Wills, and we are joined now by Rays skipper Kevin Cash who helped guide the team last year to a 90-72 and 72 mark and uh, – Kevin, getting ready to uh, get back to work here in just about a week or so as uh, FanFest is Saturday, and then before you know it, pitchers and catchers will be down in Port Charlotte. But, Kevin, you know, last year, 90 wins. And and I know that, again, it's something to brag about to a certain extent, and uh, a lot of people uh, were surprised that that team was able to put together 90 wins. But I go back to, you know, getting to 90 wins. At first, you didn't really think that that was going to be that big of a deal. But then toward the end, that nice round number, I mean, uh, what what changed – in your mind uh, when it came to, yes, 90 wins doesn't get us to the postseason, yet it's a significant number. Well, it, it definitely helps. And, and getting to 90, when you when you got to 87, 88, then 90 became uh, very apparent that that was something that we were going to shoot for. I, I go back to the, the, the loss that we had Friday night against the A's and sometime in September, and we lost 2-1, to one, a tough ball game, uh, and that kind of eliminated us. But watching how the guys bounced back, 
Uh, they were frustrated that night after the game. But after that, uh, we really went on a nice run. We really played you know, as good as anybody in baseball the last two months of the year. Mm-hmm. So I think we were deserving of that. We got our work cut out again, as usual. Every year we're going to have that. But uh, last year was something that we, we should all feel pretty good about. But I remember a year ago, too, after a lot of the trades that were controversial at the time, saying to you, you know, we're, we're getting buried nationally. And you were saying, good, that's, that's fine. Let them underestimate us. Well, now there's going to be no sneaking up because the Rays won 90, as we know, which would have been good for the playoffs in a lot of different years. So how does your perspective change? Uh, people are not going to underestimate the Rays this year. No, they're not. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, my perspective or our perspective should change too much. We want to compete. We're going to set our own expectations. Uh, every year, the media can ex- uh, set expectations for really high, really low, whatever it is. But I think you got to do a good job of uh, staying consistent with the group that you have and, and let the players set their own ex- expectations. And what I saw, what you guys saw on a daily basis, those guys come to the ballpark, they're ready to play, they provide the effort, and they know how to win together. We, that, that's what was, what was so promising last year is we saw a young core group that learned how to win together at the big league level. Visiting with Kevin Cashery, skipper here on our Countdown to Opening Day show with Andy Freed, I'm Dave Wilson. Kevin, you know, again, not that it matters, but – Andy and I said it many times during the end of the year, and we said it a lot during this offseason, that maybe outside of the years we put a banner up on the wall out there in left field at Tropicana Field. Last year was the most fun we've had. And I think, again, not only was it because of the 90 wins, but I think it was because of the group. The group really was filled with a bunch of real good guys and young guys that, as Andy said earlier, bought in. How, how As you approach 2019, Buy-in still going to be a big part, but now these guys are a year older, a year wiser, whatever. Uh, what's your message going to be to this group when you get them together, uh, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, when everybody's together? Well, I, I don't think the buy-in changes. We're going to need uh, a bunch of young position players to really buy in because we've got a lot of depth and we've got a lot of opportunities to get guys pl- playing time and there's going to be some battles and there's going to be guys that are going to have to sit some given nights and we're going to have to come up with a, a good rotation uh, to keep everybody you know, active, fresh, on time, but healthy. And I think what we've learned the last couple of years is there's been a couple months there come October, uh, excuse me, August and September that we limp in there a little bit. We have some injured guys. Well, we've got a roster that's built this year uh, due to our front office and our players developing in, in the minor league side that, that we can give some guys rest and we're not going to take a loss. You, I heard you talk on the first segment about, you know, having a, a, a full roster, 25 man roster, not being 21. We've got all kind of versatility. We've got a ton of depth, mm-hmm. and we're going to utilize that throughout the course of the year. How about the changes on your coaching staff, too? Because it'll be a little different feel. We all get used to, you know, Rocco and Charlie and everybody. It was a terrific staff last Good year. Good riddance. Rocco, <laughs> Good riddance. get them out. Yeah. Who are they again? <laughs> <laughs> no. what, what about working together with, with some of your new guys? Well, the new guys we hired are going to be great, yeah. and uh, and I think we've got a good support staff that we're going to do everything we can to get them uh, hit the ground running, and we've got uh, a lot of young players that come to the ballpark ready to work. That helps any coach, any staff, and, I, and they're going to see that right out of the gate with, you know, Paul Hoover knows everybody in our organization. He's been there. Jonathan Ehrlichman knows everybody from a, uh, you know, a front office perspective, but this will be a transition to get him on the field. And then Rodney Linares, who's, you know, very similar background to Charlie Montoya with the years and the history, the path coming through the minor leagues, managing, having success, impacting just some tremendous players in the Astros system. Now he's going to get an opportunity to work with our infielders. But 
I mean, to be totally honest, you're not going to replace Rocco Baldelli and Charlie Montoya. You, you're just not. They're, they're special people. You're talking about 40 years uh, in one organization, in the Rays organization. So we're going to do everything we can to kind of put our arms around some of these new guys and, and help them any way we can. The blending of analytics and the coaching, the baseball side of things, again, it's it seems like some teams are either mostly baseball, some teams are way over toward the analytics side. Jonathan Ehrlichman coming in and putting a uniform on and being in the dugout, being on the field maybe a little more often. And I know he was in the clubhouse here and there. But how is that going to assist you, maybe not from a coaching standpoint per se, but maybe from easing the message to the players? Because, again, maybe some players have kind of – they pushed back early on, I think, against the analytics. But I think now more and more players are starting to say, you know what? I welcome this information if it's going to help me get better and become a better big league baseball player. Well, first and foremost, our players are smart, and we've got half of our roster that must recognize the opportunities that they've gotten the last year or two years are because of the belief that our front office has in them. And I think Jay Money, Jonathan Erlkman, we call him Jay Money, you know, we're going to have some great conversations. And, and as, over the last four years, he has helped me with, a, with the, his perspective as much as anybody. We have great com- conversation, whether it's Eric and I, uh, Haim and I, and I, throughout the entire front office and coaching staff. But, you know, Jonathan's was something unique. And it, sometimes it would, you'd, you'd get in the car on the drive home and you think about it like, man, I, I, how does he come up with that? And it, it gives us a different perspective that's only going to challenge us. And compliment to him, you know, he reached out to some players because rightfully so, he's probably nervous. This is something new to him, mm-hmm. putting on a uniform. But he reached out some, to some players and, you know, basically offered whatever I can do to help. I, I want to be there. He's not going to be a guy that's hitting fungo or throwing batting practice, but for a guy that, that can sit down in front of a computer and explain to Austin Mad- Meadows or Tommy Fan why this we want you in this position, how you can make a better route, whatever it is, those are things above, above our head. You know, and it's funny you say that because, you know, I, I remember Andrew Friedman saying about eight, nine years ago, whenever Gabe Kapler, who was, you know, one of the brighter players going in the game, he asked Gabe Kapler, he goes, are you a high ball or a low ball hitter? And I forgot, you know, exactly whatever it was. He thought he was a high ball hitter, and it turned out that the numbers show he's a better low ball hitter. And so sometimes players don't even really know what their strengths are when it comes to the way that they play the game, and maybe analytics will help get that out of him, make them a better player. That, that That's a thought. I mean, any, any edge that we can get, and he's going to provide it. And he, he's not going to go away from his duties that he's been doing in the front office. I mean, the players that we acquire, the, the way we evaluate, that's not going to change. We're just going to have him more front and center and available to all of us. Yeah, it's been so, as we visit with Kevin Cash here on our Countdown to Opening Day radio show, to, to see you evolve as a manager. I remember at one point last year, uh, I forgot exactly which of the, the wacky moves it was. It was having Sergio at third base or the day we had Alvarado at first base to create the, the proper pitching matchup. And the next day we had asked you in our regular interview, would you have been able to do that a couple of years ago? And you said, maybe not. But now you're actually one of the more seasoned managers going within the division. Uh, I, I mean, it, does it feel empowering that you have that whole front office behind you recognizing that if you make a, a move like that, you've got that kind of support? And is it fun to make different kind of moves like that that gets everybody talking it is fun it is there's no doubt that you know the challenge of the chess make chess match back and forth and making some of those quirky moves 
but I can't say enough about the front office and, and the support that they have provided over the last four years. They continue to support. Uh, y- you ask for, you know, we talk about what players want. Players want honesty. Uh, and, you know, from our coaching staff, they want honesty. From a front office, I think as coaching staff and players, we want honesty and, and, and quality conversations. I've gotten that from day one, and I'm so fortunate to be part of this tremendous organization. You know, uh, last year on the way to winning 90 games, I was out with one of our coaches, and I was talking to him about, all right, well, you know, here's maybe the piece that we need to add. We maybe need to add a little more thump to the lineup. We need to probably go out and add another arm. We need to do this and that. And one of the things he talked about was he said, sometimes, you know, we've got such a good group right now in that clubhouse that you got to be careful that you take an okay player out of it, you bring a good player into it, and he may not mix, and it could infect a couple other guys. How careful do we have to be this offseason in doing that? And then when, in the additions that we did, especially when I start with Charlie Morton, you hear nothing but rave reviews about that guy. Yeah, I mean, look, Charlie Morton and Mike Zanino, two of our big additions this offseason, you can't find a negative word about them from the Astros, from the Mariners, from pitchers throwing to them, all of those things. And, I, I again, a credit to our front office of, of caring about that because that means something. Mm-hmm. They saw firsthand how, how – uh, you know, the, the energy and the vibe that we had in our clubhouse the last two months, and nobody wants to take away from that. These guys are going to only add to it and probably bring some more leadership with all their, their histories. And, you know, you're talking about four, five, five, six years, whatever, catching some big, big-time pitchers, Felix Hernandez and Charlie Morton. I mean, you, you go through his, his baseball life experience. is pretty tremendous, battling through injuries, not pitching well, not performing well, then closing out a World Series. Well, catching is going to be a big uh, part of this spring training, I'm sure, with, with really Michael Perez, too, going through his first spring training as a Ray. But the, the position that I'm curious about that I get asked about a lot is first base right now because Jake Bowers was a guy that we had thought was going to be a, a part of the future moving forward, and he was for a short term. He gets traded, but the Rays have Yandy Diaz. G-Man Choi might be getting a glove. Why don't I let you answer? How are we going to work first base this year? Well, th- there's going to be guys that get reps. And uh, you, you you nailed Yandy. He's going to be over there. G-Man, he's going to be given an opportunity to get over there and 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 do his thing. And then also we talked to Brandon Lau this offseason about with his versatility. He's already played second base, and he did it really well for us with the uh, opportunities at the big league level and can play right and left field. Put him over at first base. And we're going to see what makes our defense tick. I mean, I think we we all recognize the fact we had a pretty special defense. We caught the ball on the ground, mm-hmm. and first base is a huge part to that. You want to be able to finish off the play. So these guys are going to get opportunities. And, and you know, I would imagine the way that, you know, whether it's uh, Daniel Robertson, Joey Window, Willie Adamas, Matt Duffy, G-Man, Yandi, they're going to buy into the work and the effort that's provided because they're going to watch those guys and realize how important it is to convert those outs. And and when you're winning, the buy-in becomes a lot easier because everybody likes winning. I mean, that's the most – that's why we're all in this, right, to win games. And it seemed to me like the more we were winning games last year, the buy-in really started to – the wave crested and everyone bought in because you're winning. It's fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we ended the season – with a good taste in our mouth, but also somewhat of a sour one. Mm-hmm. That you know, we thought mm-hmm. that you know there were a lot of people that talked about the Rays at the end of the year, saying that you know another month was needed. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure that's not being said next year. We got to you know do do our work during that six months and put ourselves in position. One of the things, and, and again, we're visiting with Kevin Cash, Ray Skipper here on our Countdown to Opening Day show, was what you said is we can't be gassed in September, and I know. You and I went back and forth on this a couple of times about our bullpen. And I know with the opener and, you know, again, having to utilize certain guys at different times and our starters don't give, you know, the the prototypical or the old school seven, eight innings of starts. But 
we have to make sure that that bullpen, it's going to be another huge part of this team's success. And, uh, you know, Diego Castillo did some wonderful things in his first uh, year at the big league level. Jose Alvarado, from where he was uh, two years ago to where he finished last year, that's an incredible jump. And then we saw Ryan Stanek do some nice things at 7 o'clock. We're still waiting for him to do some nice things, a lot more nice things in maybe the seventh or eighth innings. When you, when you look at our team right now, pitching, you mentioned defense, but pitching is going to be a key because we're still not going to be able to outslug the Red Sox and the Yankees. So if we're going to beat the Red Sox and Yankees, we have to do it with pitching, and it's nice to start with Blake Snell and go from there. It certainly is. And, you know, our pitching, uh, I thought, took, took a big step forward. I mean, you look at the, the, the innings, 150 innings that Ryan Yarbrough got, that Torino Scott, some of these other, Jalen Beeks when we acquired him, those are meaningful innings. And all they're going to do is build confidence going into their second full season or whatever you want to call it. And I, I agree. Uh, we're always going to be a pitching-based organization. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go out there and slug with that line, some of the lineups that we see in our division but we can outpitch them, and and you know I, I we definitely have the talent, and probably just as important we definitely have the depth. I mean we're, we're going to see some guys that were in Double A AA and Triple A last year that are going to impact our roster in a great way, especially our pitching staff. You know Dave touched on it there about some of the late innings. How do you envision at this point the late innings going? I mean you got Alvarado who kind of learned how to close out games. Where the first time he got the chance in Detroit it was shaky, but he got the outs. Uh, Diego can work late. Dave mentioned Stanico. How do you envision the late innings right now? Well, we, you know, we've kind of pounded that message of buy-in and versatility. And I think that falls suit with every department of our club. We're going to need some versatility out of our pitching staff. We do not have uh, a set closer, and, and we most likely will not name one unless we decide to sign Craig Krimble, which I'll be – He's available. Uh, yeah, that's fine by me. Uh, Eric's sitting in the back yeah. and listening to that. But well, other than that – For a second there, I saw a guy with a backpack and a beard. I thought that was him. We were going we to have a special announcement here tonight. Realistically, I think we're going to see a combination of uh, definitely Diego Castillo Jose Alvarado, Chaz Rowe, when the matchup's right, we're going to try to win ball games in the 7th, 8th, and ninth, whatever it takes to get there. Kevin Cash joining us. And, you know, injury is – it happens in baseball. We don't, we know that. There's, you know, again, you can try to protect against it by getting some depth. But a couple of guys I think that really need to stay on the field for us to, to be able to go to where we want to go, start with center fielder Kevin Kiermeyer. Again, is Kevin going to be a 300 hitter? I don't know. And I don't think anybody sits around and expects him to be a guy that's going to hit 300 and knock out 25 homers. But he could be a guy that can take two runs off the board almost on a daily basis by – playing the center field he does and I think a guy who's gotten lost in the shuffle because we did finish so strong and he was hurt is Daniel Robertson Daniel Robertson might have been close to our MVP for about the first three or four months of the season last year playing a, a gold glove shortstop when he played there a gold glove third base when he played there a gold glove second base when he was there and then doing some things in the outfield too getting those two guys back and on the field gives you good defense and also gives you you know ultra uh you know again uh, a guy that can bounce around and play defense and prevent runs uh, wherever you go, wherever he goes. Without a doubt. I think you look at our, our last couple seasons when KK goes down, we're a different club and, and, and he, he impacts us so much uh, on both sides of the ball, but defensively uh, it changes our, the dynamic of our team when he's not out there. Mm -hmm. We got to do a good job as a, as a coaching staff. We've already, I already talked to him at the end of the year and and said, you're going to get some days off. 
whether you like it or not, just to do everything we can to keep you as fresh as possible. Now, saying that, KK's injuries the last couple of years have been very fluke. It's because he plays hard. He breaks a thumb. He cracks a wrist. He you know, has a hip issue. All of those things, those weren't rest-related, but anything we can do to keep him as fresh as possible and prevent him into running into outfield walls, we're going to do that. And to your point about Daniel Robertson, there's no doubt when he got hurt, he I think he was the MVP of our club at the time. Um, you know, filling in anywhere in the lineup, having great at bats, and then we all saw how special he is on defense. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to have him back in Port Charlotte, moving around, being active. Speaking of anywhere in the lineup, uh, I've been trying to think where are you going to hit Tommy Pham this year? Because when he got to the club last year, I think he helped put things over the top, uh, and I think his intensity plays a, a large role in this team. Where do you see him fitting in in this? I mean, I can imagine him hitting second. I could see him hitting cleanup. I mean, you could put him almost anywhere. But where do you envision Tommy, and, and what impact did he have for last year? Uh, Tommy did a lot of special things. You know, you, you acquire a guy, um, and, and you hear things about him, and you see his stat line and what he's done. But when you get to see it firsthand and watch how he dealt with some early fluke injuries and then bounce back and learn an entire league uh, or, or division of pitching and the way what he hit 350, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty special player. So I, I think it's safe to say Tommy's going to hit the top second, fourth. Uh, we'll see how the right left matchup breaks out. Uh, but we know well, he's got to be a big part of our, our lineup. And, you know, I, I got to throw batting practice to Duffy to KK and, and Tommy here last week. And all three of them look tremendous. They're chomping at the bit and they're ready to go. Have you put together any lineups at all? I mean, have you, have you, played that game at all here uh, over the last couple of months you're just gonna wait until march or february 22nd yeah yeah i really haven't i mean i I know where i know what the lineups that we had at the end of last year uh and i I know you know the rosters changed a little bit i think we've made some really good additions with avisel garcia with mike zanino so we're a little bit more balanced last year we talked at at times we were very lefty heavy Mm -hmm. uh we've got some more balance so you know i think we'll sit down have some conversations what's going to be better for us to 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 kind of stagger that lineup a little bit challenge some some late inning matchups or 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 bum rush everybody with some matchups early on well we were talking about that i mean having some options late in games but with these uber bullpens it's probably better to get up early and stay up (laughs) as opposed to try to come back in the sixth seventh or eighth innings and i'll leave you with this and and, you know again uh, i said playoffs are bust i I know you don't put too many uh exclamation points as to what you expect or how you look at a, a season coming up but i mean is that kind of in the back of your mind right now after 90 wins last year i feel like we got a better team than we did a year ago, obviously at this time, and even at when the season ended, how, how, what do you look? What do you? What's your biggest thing about nineteen? Do you, do you feel like this is a playoff team? Well, I think we, we got to do a good job of tempering expectations, and 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 let's come out of the gate. Our, look, our our first fifteen ball games uh, beat us up all last year, and we got a we got a challenging early early on. We play uh, Houston, Colorado, go out west, play San Francisco, Chicago, and then I think we come back to Toronto. So we're, we'll we'll be challenged early on. But you'd like to think with the, the whether it was a full year or half a year uh, of experience that all these players got in 2018, they're going to be better for mm-hmm. it going into 2019. But, I, I look, it's a tough game, and, and teams are going to get better. And we can't forget the fact that the teams in our division are really, really good. we got to play our best baseball early on. Kevin Cash, uh, again, uh, thank you very much, Kevin. It was great to see you. Thanks thank for you. coming by. We'll see you Thanks, in about a week uh, down. Actually, see him in a couple of days yep. at uh, Tropicana Field for Rays Fan Fest. He's Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills. We'll take a break. Come back. 
Eric Neander and Kevin Ibach, part of the Rays uh, baseball operations uh, uh, front office, will be joining us as we continue with our countdown to opening day show on 95.3 WDAE AM 620 and the Rays Radio Network. Rays single game tickets are on sale now. Be there opening day, March 28th, when the Rays take on the Astros. And you see other premier matchups against the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, and more. View the complete schedule. Visit RaysBaseball.com. Raise up. All right. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed. We're at the Golden Diamond Source Performance Theater at 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. Counting down to opening day, the Rays and the Astros. 49 days from now, March 28th, the Tropicana Field at 4 o'clock. I would think Blake Snell would be on the mound. I would think maybe Justin Verlander might be on the mound for the Astros. That's going to be fun, but we uh, have a whole spring training to go through, and right now on the show, we're going to be joined by Eric Neander, Ray's Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations and General Manager, and Kevin Ibach, Director of Pro Scouting. And, boys, how's the offseason been for you? It's been it's been busy, but has it felt open-ended in the sense that there are so many guys out there that are still unsigned? Yeah, we're ready for it to be over, I think, and just to get to camp, get playing, and get to opening day. But, uh, yeah, there's there are a lot of guys out there. We feel really good about uh, what we've accomplished so far um you know charlie being probably the biggest ticket item that we accomplished but we like our group uh if this is the group we go into the season with uh, as long as everyone's healthy and there's no surprises there uh we feel really good about our club you know, we heard about that charlie was thinking about well maybe i'll just retire at this point and you know did you have to convince him and and, and now i mean it seems like he's pretty pumped up to be part of this group yeah that a 30 million would convince me of a lot of things too, but uh, I don't think we were alone in, yeah. in that pursuit. Um, you know, home is Bradenton. You know, he has four young kids, and I, I think that there was some appeal to you know playing locally. You know, for him, uh, not that that was the only appeal. I think he, you know, caught his breath and felt himself out from a physical standpoint, felt good, and wanted to keep going. So, um, you know, he. Uh, He's as motivated as can be, as healthy as can be right now, and we're excited to see him in our uniform and uh, what, what's coming out there uh, against Houston. We'll get to Kevin in a moment, but again, Eric, one more you know question for me anyway as far as when you, you go into this offseason, and we had talked about it, where you're coming off a 90-win season, but you still didn't make the playoffs, so now we've got to continue to take the next step. And All right, well, what is that step? Do we add a little more thump? We think we did that with, uh, again, a couple of additions. Obviously, El Garcia, if he's anywhere where he was a couple of years ago, this guy could uh, really be – somewhat of a difference maker we we had a little more thump behind the plate we went out there and added a, a starter in charlie morton but the one area where i thought we might still kind of dabble in and maybe you know we're, we're sergio romo is not coming back or it appears he might not be coming back but we, we we have some depth in the bullpen but we don't have a lot of veteran presence out in that bullpen right now and there are some veteran presence but what's your take on on the bullpen situation as we look ahead a week two three weeks from now and uh, we start to formulate this uh, roster yeah an area where we're going to keep an open mind and uh, it's you'd like to have a little more mileage I think uh, major league mileage you know out of the group you have but at the same time you need to recognize the talent that you do have and we had a lot of young players that uh, made you know various types of contributions to our major league club last year we have some guys that are still coming up you know the Ian Jabot you look at what he did last year that's an upper 90s arm with Mm -hmm. two wipeout secondaries you got Colin Pochet from the left side Part of the reason we got in this situation we're in now uh, with our team and having an optimi- optimistic outlook this year is because we gave guys opportunity last year. And um, we feel really good about our numbers out of the pen. And this close to camp, you don't want to see what shows up physically. And if those guys are checking boxes the way they did last year, uh, we feel really good about what we have. would be nice to have that, that veteran guy to help kind of steer that crew, but you also want to make sure you have opportunity for him. How has the market for bullpen changed over the last couple of years? Because – 
man, you see some guys signing for some long-term deals, and we know, everyone knows that relievers, sometimes you, you never know kind of when the magic goes away. I mean, there are times that maybe a guy can have a great couple of years and then does so. I mean, teams are willing to take risks, but how from where you sit, how is the bullpen market adjusted over the last, I don't know, yeah, two, three years? There's, there's very few guys that year in, year out, you know, hold that high end label, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a hard thing to, um, to assess that. And we do our best. Usually, you know, we will take a look back at the list we had a year ago, you know, or two years ago and check that one to make sure the names we had at the top, if they're still out there somewhere and have kind of faded a little bit, usually those are good bets to come back around. So, um, it, it's hard, you know, and 60 innings, you know, a lot of things can happen. You can pitch lights out and, you know, hang a few breaking balls in that whole sample and your ERA is a four and a half and the perception's different or it goes the other way. So uh, we, we try to keep an open mind, try to, you know, keep an eye on stuff, competitiveness, health, those things that tend to be more stable. But, um, yeah, it's it's uh, our crystal ball is not that good out there. With Andy Freed, I'm Dave Wills. It's the Rays Countdown to Opening Day Show. Eric Neander, Rays uh, VP of in Baseball Operations and also GM joining us. And now Kevin Eibach is here as well. And Kevin, one of the behind-the-scenes guys that we really don't hear a lot about, but uh, you, were, you were saying, Eric, right before we went on the air here, that, what, 28 trades here over the last uh, few years? I mean, I know trader Jack McKeon's back in the game at 88 <laughs> years old. I don't know if we're going to start calling you Acquisition Eric, but, uh, Kevin, <laughs> you know, it's a, a case where we have made a lot of trades. When you look at, you know, a, a team that right now is on the verge of using a lot of uh, – gaining a lot of prospects – you look at our day-by-day lineup. I mean, there's only one guy out there that really was born and bred a Tampa Bay Ray, and that's Kevin Kiermeyer. So you've been a pretty busy guy here in picking some guys up here over the last few years. And last year, Tommy Pham, I think, was a pretty interesting kind of acquisition because you didn't really hear much about him, you know, with the with the Cardinals. We, we saw him a little bit. He had a walk-off home run against us a couple of years ago. But when, when you're going out there to look and make a trade, uh, especially when it comes to a team that we can't really miss on too many of those. What are some of the dynamics you're looking for when you go out there to try and, you know, again, maybe come back to Eric and say, hey, I think we got something here. Sure. I think that um, for the most part, you're going out there and you're looking at tools. That's what scouts do. Um, very identifiable at the big league level. Um, maybe less so as you get through the short season ball and, and, and a ball. But you start building history with the player. And, you know, you start on the amateur side, Rob Metzler and his group, uh, Carlos Rodriguez on the international side. And then as these players evolve through pro baseball, you start to identify some of their strengths and weaknesses, as well as some opportunities there that, uh, you know, for growth and for projection, where you can see a player evolve over their years. And a lot of times players get blocked in their systems by other players. Um, In some cases, we have opportunity to give them that they can't. Um, And you see a player's value really rise and fall throughout their career. And if you can buy one of those players, acquire one of those players, um, you know, that you think may be underutilized or you think they have something left in the tank um, that we can exploit, then you have to go out there and be aggressive and get those. How much is it you know, again, when it comes to a lot of the stuff, again, the Rays are as analytical as anybody, but how much is it is, uh, uh, from a scouting standpoint, is it the eyeball test? They actually go out there and see the guy for a handful of games. And it's not easy to do because you can catch a guy mm-hmm. for a couple of games and it could be on a very, very bad day. I mean, I've heard stories where there were trades for a guy like a Doug Drabeck going back to the you know 80s where uh, a team went out and saw him and he had a couple of horrendous pitching performances, but there was something about what he was doing that they liked him. I mean, how, how do you balance – what you're actually seeing, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent with what you're ready to go after. Sure. I think, you know, you alluded to the fact that 
you get bad looks sometimes. I live in the Chicago area, so there's been a lot of times I've scouted games in April and May where there's snow flurries outside, and you're That's just why a... I didn't make it to the big league. I pitched in a lot <laughs> of snow. That's the only games. reason. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. why. Um, but you're a victim of circumstance and sample size, obviously, um, by only seeing a player for a five-game series or only a handful of at bats. But a lot of times you do see that aha moment where um, you can see how that player reacts in certain situations, uh, game situations that are probably very important. Uh, you know, years down the road to our manager. I remember scouting Willie Adamas up in West Michigan and just seeing some of the intangibles there of how he interacted with his teammates, mm -hmm. how he was a guy that was in the Dominican Summer League literally 12 months earlier, skipped over a few levels and, you know, acclimated himself very well uh, to that environment. So kind of gauging the player's makeup, gauging uh, the player's aptitude, um, you know, in addition to their tools is very important. And, and I think that's always going to fall in the scout's lap and it's going to be their opportunity to kind of separate players in a more meaningful matter. Does Yandy Diaz fill out some of those uh, boxes, so to speak? I mean, if the Rays had not traded Jake Bowers, no one would have said anything. But the fact that we actually made that move and to get a guy like Yandy Diaz, that tells me that you and the group feel pretty strongly about him. Sure. He certainly fills out a uniform. We know that much. Um, <laughs> But no, he was a, you know, certainly a player that we've liked for some time. Um, and again, a player that, you know, you can say was blocked a little bit over there. Um, and we saw some opportunity to make our team more versatile at the big league level, um, you know, positionally um, and handedness as well. Um, so it was, it was a guy that you were able to go out and, you know, the, the future we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll have to go out and, you know, let the game start to start to matter in April and May and, and see how it all evolves. But definitely someone that it's nice to target a player. I, I allude to this a lot sometimes. In the amateur draft, you build up for one moment in June um, and all your work comes together. Sometimes on the pro side, you can scout a player for years and you just don't have that opportunity to acquire them until maybe 12, 24 months down the road. And when you finally do get your hands on them, you're really happy. Yeah. Well, that's like one of Eric's you know, number one quotes right there. We've been watching this guy for a couple of years now. We, <laughs> we, we do see that. We do yes, we do hear that a few times. Usually and, the case. <laughs> when, when it comes to these trades. But again, Eric Neander uh, joining us as well. And Eric, when, when you know, as we talked about it with Kevin uh, Cash just a couple of moments ago, you had a 91 team. Didn't make the playoffs, though, so we got to get a little bit better. But it, it's kind of a, you know, you, you don't want to mess too much with the soup. I mean, uh, too many chefs can spoil the soup, as the day, saying goes. And if you maybe try to go out there and do too much, you can really blow everything up. So how, how was it that you went about trying to maybe delicately add a couple of pieces while keeping maybe the core together, knowing that this was a, a group that, Again, maybe with uh, as we look in the rearview mirror, a few more prospects on the way. Yeah, I, I think we, we took a really aggressive approach to the offseason in terms of the things we attempted to chase down, but uh, we were also disciplined uh, with that in mind. You know, the as I said earlier, a lot of the reason we got to 90 wins is because we gave guys like Joey Wendell the opportunity to go play every day. We gave Robbie that opportunity to go play, uh, and so on and so on. So for us that's something that we don't want to lose sight of you got to be careful of when you really start to push and uh your, your chips in new york and boston are as strong as they've been in a very long time uh we're as strong as we've been in a really long time so um you know for us the goal is sustained success it's not just to you know let you know put everything into 2019 and then get to 2020 and pull it all back you know we want to be here for several years and usually the best way for us to do that is to continue to bet on our young players continuing to grow to develop and take advantage of the opportunity um, when it came to our roster construction for this winter uh, you know really I think what we're going to see is guys you know obviously El Garcia you know is going to come in and he's going to be competing for at-bats against righties 
he can take at bats away from anybody else on our roster. It could be from third base. It could be from shortstop because of Braden Lau, because of Daniel Robertson, because of Joey Wendell. He's, all these mm-hmm. different pieces can move around outfield, infield, et cetera. So they're all competing with one another. And when you have a young club and you're not necessarily sure, some of these guys are going to go up, they're going to take off. Some of them aren't going to do as much as we are hoping they're going to do. That's just the reality of it. You want to be flexible. You want to have a nimble group of players that can kind of cover each other, not only for health, but also for unexpected performances in both directions. And we feel like we're, we, we've done that. And every night he's going to have a hard time telling, you know, three, four guys that they're on the bench when they're plenty good enough to be starting. Competition is healthy, I, I would imagine. I mean, in any line of work, you have someone that even if they're on your team might be taking a bats away from you. That That is an interesting juggling act, is it not, for – for a group of players that are trying to make a name for themselves, but they may be better as the sum of all the parts for the team. Yeah, Kevin got an extension. It's on him to figure out how to make this work now. <laughs> Good luck, <Steve>. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that is absolutely – it's easier if you're winning, you know, and the expectations are up. It's an easier thing to do when you're, when you're winning games. You're competitive. It'll be an easier thing to sell in spring training. We'll see how it goes when we're into April and May, and uh, sometimes those things work themselves out. Um, but – you know, I, there will be a selfless message, I think, that, that will be communicated by Kevin to our group and will be consistent throughout. And we're going to need it to compete with, with the big boys in our division. Kevin Eibach joining us as well. He's the director of Rays uh, Pro Scouting. And, Kevin, a year ago at this time, and anybody in this group uh, that's joining us here on this live broadcast knew who Joey Wendell was, you, you probably really had to be a baseball American nerd or something to really kind of have a pretty good idea of what he was. And Michael Perez was uh, also another guy that uh, – Really, I'm not sure too many people outside of Baseball America and uh, baseball people knew who he was, but those were two uh, pretty impressive acquisitions. When you look at what Joey Wendell did, uh, top couple two or three in the American League Rookie of the Year voting, a 300 hitter, uh, a plus defender at second base. Uh, people were talking about uh, how well he played at third base when we put him over there a couple of times. And then Michael Perez, a five foot nothing catcher. I mean, uh, a guy that you wouldn't expect to be a big time major league catching prospect, but you saw something in him, maybe even going back to his days in your hometown of uh, Kane County, Illinois there. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, with Joey, first of all, he he was a guy that we saw back in the Cleveland organization and really grew to appreciate uh, the skill set that he had. And, you know, some of the, again, alluding to the intangibles, uh, just goes about the game the right mm-hmm. way. And I think his game has evolved over time. And I think he's a prime example, you know, as you mentioned, of a player who's defense was probably never appreciated as much as it was um, by us. And certainly, you know, you saw that on the big stage last year. Um, So he's a guy that, uh, you know, again, you build this history with from Cleveland to Oakland and then finally over to us. You know, it's funny when you talk about Joey Wendell, though, because you talk to some people that followed him, whether it was mostly in the Oakland organization. You talk to a couple of people. One guy says, uh, great defender, but not that good at the bat. Then you talk to another person, good bat, but we couldn't find a place to play him defensively. And it's just funny how you get different opinions from people who see a guy like that uh, on a daily basis. Sure. And, and, and I think that's where you can build value in all areas of the game. Um, you know, a lot of the guys we acquire have versatile skill sets, whether it's multi-positional versatility or it's just a guy that can play on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, and, and Joey certainly fits the bill there. And then with 
with Michael, you know, that was a, uh, I mentioned something last summer when we acquired him that it was a fringe benefit of the Steven Souza trade. We spent so much time scouting that system uh, for the players to be named later in that deal that we were able to, you know, open eyes and, and, and see some other prospects there that, again, were blocked, didn't have quite the opportunity. So when the opportunity for us came to go out and acquire a player like that, we had a pretty good feel, more than your typical five-day look. Uh, at that player, so you grew to appreciate his skill set over time. Does that happen a lot with scouting, when you have an intention of looking at somebody and then somebody else kind of pops that you weren't expecting? Sure. Uh, I think Eric's laughing here because he'll send me in there to see a player and, and, and I'll get a five-game look at him and I'll come back with options B, C, D, and E. Um, and, and, and that's the fun part of scouting. That's the grassroots part of it, of going in there and not only seeing the famous guy or seeing the guy that the industry is well aware of, but trying to pick the other player out in the field that may end up five, ten years down the line really becoming a, a nice major league component. Um, and, and that's the challenge that we, we ask of all of our scouts. We had our pro scouting staff in, in town this week for meetings. Uh, they're real fired up about the season, um, getting out to their spring training locations. And one thing I challenge them with every year is to find that under-the-radar player in their two camps that they're in and, and, and make us aware of those guys early on so that we can follow them through the season and maybe get that player as a player to be named later or as a depth piece in a deal. You know, we, we always talk about the bromance that the Rays have with the Seattle Mariners, and uh, a lot of it goes with Eric and Jerry Depoto, their general manager. But are you the Match.com then guy there that kind of <laughs> brings them together? I mean, uh, you know, I was just uh, I'm trying to put it all together here now. You know, you're the guy who has to go out there and do the fixing up. That's right. <laughs> no, it's uh, Seattle is, a, is an interesting organization. I, I live co uh, commuting distance from Clinton, Iowa, so uh, I'm guilty of seeing some of those players myself. But we do a really good job from, from Dave Myers, who lives in the Seattle area, mm -hmm. all the way down to a, to a Jason Cole, who covers them during spring training. Um, you know, just they know to be on their toes because of the history we have with that organization. And, um, you know, again, very proud of a lot of, you know, the return that we've had uh, just in those interactions. You bring up Clinton, Iowa. I can smell Clinton, Iowa once again <laughs> after spending a few years there in the Midwest League. But, Eric, when you when you look at your team right now, uh, you know, better team than it was uh, when we, we ended back uh, near the beginning of October. Do you truly feel that we are a better team? And what, what excites you the most about this team? And we, we, We've gone this almost the entire – uh, our, you mentioned Willie Adamas when we picked yeah. him up from uh, the Tigers organization when he was with West Michigan, but hardly anybody's brought up Willie Adamas, who's still relatively young, still has a chance to grow into his body. I know we've seen some social media things where, uh, you know, they show him working yeah. out and those trying to fun, get bigger and they? stronger. Yeah. Oh, I get pumped <laughs> up, yeah. What, what do they call those, uh, hype videos yeah. or whatever? <laughs> They're young kids these days. But, uh, you know, when, when you Willie Adamas could be a big part. I mean, you got to be strong up the middle, and I think we, again, strength in catching. Kevin can stay healthy in center field. We know what we have at second base. Willie Adamas is kind of an interesting piece looking forward to this 2019 season. Yeah, I think we, we feel we're more talented now than we were where we wrapped up uh, last year, you know, physically. You know, this is a lot of young players, and you give them an off season, you have that little bit of experience and that taste from last year and winning. Uh, they're going to come in motivated, and I think just that group as it, you know, if we rolled with the same group, they would have come in more talented because of that time. But to add Charlie Morton, some of the guys we brought in on top, you know, our expectations are high, and we're excited to get going. Well, who'd have thought that, uh, like Kevin Cash said moments uh, ago, we may have to temper expectations a little bit heading in 
to this year. But it's exciting. It beats last year. It absolutely does. (laughs) Eric Neander, Kevin Eibach, thank you both so much for joining us and for all the work you do for the race. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dave and I will wrap it up. Counting down to opening day 2019 for the Tampa Bay Rays. This is 95.3 WDAE and AM 620 in the Rays Radio Network. Well, you can enjoy great spring training savings with the Spring Mini Pack. Choose between three or six games and catch great matchups against the Yankees, Red Sox, and more. Visit racebaseball.com slash spring for more information. Raise up. Dave, time to wrap it up. And we bring Neil Solons in here, of course, who's been studying this roster. And if you go to his uh, Twitter uh, page or Twitter handle, you can get more information about the Rays. I know I learn every and time at, I go there. At Rays Radio blog and yeah. uh, all kinds of stuff. And Neil, uh, you've got about 15 seconds to tell us what you think about today's. Uh, <laughs> good to have you. Thanks for stopping by. Good talk. All right, good talk. All right. Well, that's Neil Solon. So but uh, no, there is a lot of excitement about yeah. this team. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, we're excited all the time. I'm, I'm going to be excited whether we're a team that's projected to win 65 games or 105 games. But there is legitimate excitement about this team being a good team. And I think the thing that excites all of us so much is that there are so many young players who still have so much more room for growth. Um, and I think Eric alluded to guys like Colin Pochet and Ian Jabot, and he didn't even bring up Nathaniel Lowe, who was a minor league player of the year who finished in AAA last year. And that's on top of the guys who I think still have a lot of opportunity in front of them. Austin Meadows, Brandon Lau, you can go on and on and on. There are a lot of guys who I think there are high expectations and hopes for, and that's what excites me about this year. You know, you're the person that talks to fans after the game uh, directly, right after moments. So I would think people feel comfortable coming to you about their questions. What are you hearing about from, uh, from fans when they come up to you this year? terms of what their questions are, what their thoughts are, and what are your thoughts on those? I, I think the questions that I get are mostly one that you brought up to Kevin, which was about first base. And I think the development of Nathaniel Lowe is part of the reason the Rays made the trade. In addition to how much they like Yandy Diaz, I think the question that you brought up, Dave, about the bullpen is one that uh, I hear a lot. And I think Eric hitting on the fact that we don't want to block a Colin Poche, we don't want to block an Ian Jabot, uh, is part of the reason they maybe haven't added a guy. Maybe they think those guys combined can be better than some of the guys they could have gone out and gotten. And if we don't, that's why we have Kevin Eibach to go out there and uh, make a trade uh, once the season gets underway. But uh, we're looking forward to it. We'll see you Saturday at the Rays Fan Fest. Andy uh, told me i got to wrap it up. So I, I can All sit right. here and talk to you for another 10 seconds or so. But <laughs> he said, we got, we got, we got to get going. Neil, thank you. We'll be, uh, you'll be joining us. We'll be joining you. We'll all be together. And, Dave, you and I will be back here again at 6 o'clock next week. Valentine's so Day, right? It is Valentine's Day. It must be time to buy a present. But enjoyed being with you once again and, of course, talking Rays baseball. I heart being with you, too. Oh, thank you so much. The perfect place for it. Countdown to opening days, a production of the Tampa Bay Rays Radio Network. Our executive producer is Larry McCabe. Tonight's show is produced by Chris Miller, engineered by John Mamola. Our 2019 production assistants are Rachel West and Greg Bogos. Dave and I will be back again next Thursday at 6 on Valentine's Day as we count down to opening day, the Rays and the Astros uh, on uh, opening day, which is March 28th at Tropicana Field, 49 days to go. But don't forget, there are just six days to go until pitchers and catchers, 11 days until the first full squad workout, and 15 until our first game, the Rays and the Phillies in Port Charlotte. So for Dave Wills and for Neil Solons, I'm Andy Freed, thanking you for uh, joining us here as we... Countdown to opening day on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620 and the Rays Radio Network.
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.